Join me, Dr. Cathy Weston, for my podcast series, Get a Grip, brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. In each podcast, I help unpick some of the trickier questions relating to how we raise children today. How do we talk to children about mental health? How can we make sure our children engage safely with the digital world? Whose responsibility is the mental health education of our children, teachers or parents? These podcasts get me talking and you thinking. I've reached out to today's thought leaders and main researchers in this area and asked them their views on the areas where we need to get a grip. Kiva Dempsey is a third year PhD student at the University of Cambridge's Centre for Family Research. Kiva has a BA in psychology from Trinity Dublin. And after her undergraduate degree, she spent a year working at the University of Otago in New Zealand. She first came to Cambridge for an MPhil in psychology before progressing on to a PhD. Her research focuses on proximal processes that support children in the preschool and early school years. Her MPhil research focused on children's early peer relationships and examined the socio-cognitive skills that support positive social interactions with unfamiliar peers, an important skill for children as they start school. For her PhD, Kiva's research returned to look at children's early well-being and enjoyment during transition to school. Her PhD takes a family systems perspective on the school transition and aims to understand how the experiences of those surrounding the child, parents and teachers, influences children's school transition. Outside of academia, she's a brilliant rower. She has rowed at an elite level, representing Ireland at the under-23 level, is president of Cambridge Boat Club and is hoping to lead the team to her third consecutive win in the Oxford-Cambridge Boat Race. Kiva, you're so impressive. Thank you very much. That's a great introduction. Your parents must be very proud of you. They are. Thank you. I will all watch you in the boat race the next time, but for today we're going to talk about transition and it's one of my favorite topics to talk about so it's wonderful to meet someone who's equally passionate. Why did you become so interested in this topic do you think? Yeah I think I find it like a really there's just so much going on in these kind of pinpoints in children's lives and the aftermath of the success of a transition like this really sets children and family up for certain trajectories. So it feels like a really important kind of point in time to be focusing research and focusing kind of practical implications and that kind of thing. And often, I think traditionally, people don't think, they think about transition to school as the day that children go Mm. to school. But as you and I know, readiness for transition begins so much earlier, doesn't it? Definitely. And and it's probably a year long process over that first year in school as well. So just to be clear, we're talking about transition to primary school today. okay? and the concept, the whole concept of school readiness might be unfamiliar to some people. So talk us through what that's generally meant to mean. Yeah. So I guess when you think about children starting into school, some kids take to school like a duck to water and others, you know, kind of struggle a bit and it takes a while. And that has a really long term impact on children's educational kind of trajectories. So research then tried to look at, okay, well, what's causing some children to really flourish and and others to struggle? And the idea came about that there are certain skills or capabilities that children have that enable them to make a successful start into school, to be ready for school. And I suppose initially that was focusing on things like early literacy and numeracy skills. But of course, anybody that has been in a reception year classroom knows that Actually, what happens on a day-to-day level is much more to do with being able to sit still, being able to listen to the teacher, being able to make new friendships. 
And so there's lots of kind of readiness skills within children that enable them to engage positively with the kind of start to school. That's right. So people are thinking about things like phonics and reading when actually your emphasis is on other skills. They're sort of social skills or the way in which they interact and take instructions from teachers and all those little things that can be extremely important within that little classroom setting. But there's also another area. I know that you note the impact of school transitions on parents has been overlooked. Tell us about that. What do we know from the few existing studies about parental experiences of transition? Yeah. So, you know, if you say starting school to anybody, they automatically think about children, which of course is completely normal. It's a huge milestone for children and and they're the ones kind of taking that big leap. But the reality of it is that children don't start school by themselves. And in fact, they kind of bring their whole family with them. And the beginning of the school life for children is a really big change for everybody else in the family as well. So, you know, there might be different roles starting to play with siblings or with grandparents and with parents in particular. And there's a kind of a whole new range of responsibilities for parents and kind of changes in a parent's identity and their relationship with their child. And that's largely overlooked. And even that's even by parents and kind of by teachers as well. So we kind of, there's some studies been done asking parents and teachers to talk about the things that they think about when they someone t- tells them about you know starting school what do you think about and it's around five percent of parents and teachers mention anything to do with parents everything that they're talking about is children and classroom and that kind of thing and so there's a real kind of lack of awareness like in the moment from parents at that that it is a big change for them or it is something that they're kind of going through or experiencing or transitioning as well and it's kind of only after the fact that parents maybe kind of recognize or acknowledge that they've had to go through a lot of changes and make a lot of sacrifices and adaptations. And also, you know, as you mentioned, the identity change, you know, parents can feel bereft when their child goes to primary school, then they might feel guilty that they feel bereft. And also we've all, I always have great sympathy for parents at that point of the day where they hand over that four or five year old, you know, at the school gate, because often, you know, I understand teachers want that to be a quick sort of delivery. But if you don't know who you're handing your five-year-old over to, it's really hard. So I've always been a big fan of teachers in schools really having a transitional package whereby parents have sat in those seats in that classroom. They understand who this person is who's going to be spending all day with my child, if you like. Yeah, definitely. Like it's a whole new unknown for the parent and they've kind of been the sole protector of their child up until this point. And now all of a sudden they have to give that away, that responsibility and that kind of control off to somebody else who they maybe haven't really met that much before. And yeah, expecting them to do that really quickly in a really busy schoolgate setting is quite hard. Yeah. And before we sort of move on to your study, which you've done and is going to be published soon, if you were a primary school teacher and you had a new class coming in September, tell us some of the things you would absolutely do, even if it was six months before. Mm, Yeah, it's a funny question, this, because I feel like we're always asking, you know, what can the school do to help? And of course, schools are so busy, and there's already so much pressure on them. And I'd say that the kind of biggest thing I think would be, I guess, driving a culture of getting the parents to think themselves about maybe anticipating what it's going to be like for them, and putting in places the kind of supports, you know, networks that they need or the provisions in terms of timetable and daily schedules and the kind of things we'll discuss. But I guess, yeah, 
putting the onus on parents to be a bit self-aware and be a bit reflective and be kind of ready for the fact that it is going to feel quite different for them. There's also the idea of screening children at the point of entry for lots of things. And I think Rory Devine at Cambridge, the developmental psychologist, has got the Bessie screening tool, which I think is amazing for sort of two to five-year-olds. And that's identifying how children are feeling and doing on at point of entry, which is so important, isn't it, to capture that baseline data? Definitely, yeah. And a really interesting part of that measure is they have a whole section that's about family support. So it's about, you know, what's the home learning environment like? Is the parent reading to the child? And so that's kind of recognizing that it's not just the child, it's the whole family that's going to be having an impact. Yeah. So your lovely study has got a lovely title, Becoming a School Parent. I love it. Understanding mothers and fathers' experiences of the transition to school within the family context. So where is this going to be published, Kiva? Well, not sure 100% yet, but it's currently under review in early childhood research quarterly. Brilliant. Okay. And tell us about the sort of the background in terms of the literature to this study. So we know that the impact of school transition on parents has been largely overlooked. But tell us a little bit about what you knew about the sort of the qualitative material that, you know, you read in advance of writing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the studies that we that are out there so far, like you said, they're mostly qualitative. So it's interview studies with parents asking them to kind of describe the different experiences that they had when their child started school, how it felt and the kind of emotions that kind of were brought up for them. And overwhelmingly across all these studies, the kind of main takeaway finding was that it's really, really mixed. So parents are at the same time feeling really proud, really excited, really happy to be sharing this moment with their child, but also really nervous and feeling maybe a bit of loss and feeling scared and maybe kind of bringing up any negative emotions within themselves about their own school experiences. So there's kind of a lot happening for parents and that emotional reaction will be quite different per parent depending on their own history and how that was for school in them. And then there are differences in how parents' relationships change across this transition. So parents often talk about how their relationship with their child has changed and, you know, if they're spending more or less time with them, how they feel about that. Some parents feel like it's nice to have some time back to themselves. Other parents feel like they've been robbed of all of their precious quality time during the day with their child. And relationships with friends and and with family members change as well. And then the kind of interacting with the school as a whole new kind of system, you know, having to engage with the kind of education of their child for the first time in this kind of formal manner or having to engage with the ethos of a school or the values of a school. So moving away from just this is how I want to raise my child to I have to now work with the values that are happening in this other environment for half of my child's time. Yeah. I think some of the things that came out of that sort of earlier literature is that parental stress, parental anxiety, if we can kind of get a grip on that, it could really shape how a child adapts to that new environment. Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing is that it often takes parents unaware. You know, they, they're not they're not ready. They're not expecting to feel this emotional about it and feel so so mixed about it as well. So there's something there, isn't there? You know, schools may not see it as their role to sort of take care of parental mental health, but there is something about a reflective piece for parents that you might feel these emotions. And if you Mm. do feel like that, you know, that's normal. And, And presumably, as you've identified, their own experiences, their own memories of that first day of school can also play a part in how they're feeling. 
Definitely, yeah. And, you know, school is a real is a real pivotal time for everybody. And so going back there for the first time with your child, if it's the first child, can be, you know, very triggering for some people or can be really exciting for others. And so how that kind of it kind of reacts within parents is very different. But I think schools, yeah, it's I guess having that awareness that a child comes in not only with themselves, but kind of with, for want of a better word, the baggage of their parents and their family kind of puts everything in context of it. Yeah, I really love that point. I think it's a beautiful addition to our thinking. So you were looking at sort of that process involving the entire family, but also you were focused on British heterosexual couples. Is that mm-hmm. clear in your in your sort of sample? And tell us about your sort of sample and your methodology. Yeah, so... We have a lovely sample that we've been following for a number of years now within the Centre for Family Research. And so it's a fantastic sample, mostly because we have both mothers and fathers engaging with every every kind of part of the journey, which is quite unusual. So a lot of the studies, especially in this area, have mostly been about mothers and mothers' reports and how they're feeling. And that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for the fathers. And so one of the really exciting things that we were able to do was we were able to ask both mothers and fathers within the same family to report independently. And we Ooh. could compare that then, which was really interesting. And yeah, like you said, they're, they're heterosexual couples, cohabiting couples, which as a disclaimer is going to be, you know, it's going to limit our understanding and our generalizability of the findings. Because like we'll discuss all the kind of, you know, struggles and challenges that these parents face are going to be very different for a single mother or parents with multiple children. These are all parents who it's the first child is starting school. And that's a really key difference as well. If, if there are older children having already started, that, that makes a big difference. So, yeah, a couple of things there to kind of note about what these parents are reporting on. Yeah. And so we kind of had an expectation of what we would find given the previous literature. And some of that was kind of confirmed so overwhelmingly like in the past parents reporting on both positive and negative aspects of the transition at the same time it kind of wasn't one or the other so it's really really mixed and parents are often talking about their kind of intrapersonal changes so feeling like their identity as a parent has changed you know that they're no longer the kind of soul or maybe feel like they have less of an important role or their role has changed in terms of who they are for their child And then their kind of relationships with family and friends have changed. So oftentimes parents might feel a bit sad about old friendships slipping away and feeling like their friendships are more kind of geographically, you know, influenced right now because they're making maybe new friends in the school or friends who they know whose children are going to the same school but don't have the time to maybe drive and and kind of keep that connection with friends further away relationships with family members are a really big thing so the kind of role of grandparents really comes into this so there's a wide variety of differences in how grandparents maybe might be helping with kind of practical things like picking up and dropping off and you know having more time to share share with the child about how they're feeling and and you know how they're enjoying school and kind of celebrating the whole process and you know that's available to some parents and it's not to others and so the disparity there is is quite big. It sounds almost like there's a sort of an amplification in some areas and a diminution, is that the word, <laughs> in other areas? <laughs> so, for example, some friendships might shrink, other mm. social groups expand. So there's a lot yeah. of movement around the child and the family system yeah. that is a lot of transition. And it's almost as if the child has the easiest job of going mm. to school because there's so much flux in terms of expectations as well. Who's going to do pickup? 
you know, family time will be more rushed and condensed and it will have an impact on working patterns and things like that. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard because when you think about it for the child, when they're making this big change, what they need is continuity they need stability they need everything else to kind of stay the same so that they can feel safe to kind of make this big step but then the reality of it is that all of these things are changing for the parents so they kind of it's hard for them to be that really consistent and yeah stable kind of background for the for the child and then the other thing that really you know is a real struggle for parents is time and the impact that it has on their working schedule and having to you know be at these really strict pick up and and drop off you know time points there's no leeway with any of that and all of a sudden having to remember the book bag and the PE kid and and everything and you know feeling like maybe they get in trouble or that the expectations or they're kind of they're they're not I guess living up to what they're meant to be able to do as a parent if they're not staying on top of all these additional responsibilities and that's going to depend a lot on what the working situation is like for the family if both parents are working or if they have the capacity to kind of change their hours or not and if not and if they're maybe then starting to use things like wraparound care of other people collecting and and, and dropping off their child to school then that really changes their interaction with the school. So they're not getting that chance to be at the school gates and say goodbye or be at the school gates and meet other parents and talk to and kind of get into that school social circle that happens that can be really supportive. And so, yeah, when you think about all these things together, it makes for the experience to be so individual and it's really hard to compare. The context of one parent's experience is going to be completely different to somebody else's depending on all of these factors. And it's hard because, like we say, we're coming, parents are coming to school as their first kind of parenting on parade. You know, they're kind of showing what's been happening in their family for the first time to all these other new parents. And if that's really like different for each family, it can be kind of hard. The expectations can be different. You're sort of under public scrutiny for the first time as a family, aren't you? When yeah. you, Before it was just you went to the park whenever you like, you fed the ducks, you did whatever. You, there wasn't that sort of scrutiny. And also, you know, the legal obligation to send your child to school. It feels scary that you have to sort of comply with all mm. of those kind of legal obligations as well. So something that I think came out of your report for mothers, psychological distress and chaos at home are associated with both positive and negative transition experiences. But this association does not hold for fathers. Talk us through that. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of wanted to know how all of these experiences for parents, how that related to kind of more longitudinal like family kind of factors. And so we we took reports that we previously had from these families about kind of prior levels of parent mental health and difficulties and the kind of home environment. So we asked parents to report on whether or not they feel like they're in control of the, of the home environment, it's neat, and, or, you know, if they're always running around, those kind of things, and see how that linked to this experience in this moment. And what we found, like you said, is that these earlier levels of maybe stability or kind of like coping is much closer related to how the mothers are kind of reacting to the transition than it is for fathers, which is interesting. And it kind of asks a few questions about what's going on. You know, on the surface, it's probably quite a good thing because it means that if one parent might be struggling, that doesn't mean the whole household is coming down. You know what I mean? So one parent can be kind of protecting if the other is is having a difficulty and, and vice versa, you know, and that can provide that stability, like we said, for the child. But it might mean more to do with, you know, maybe 
this might be more of an emotional experience for mothers and you know they might be more closely linked to to the kind of day-to-day or it might be having more of an effect on them they they're might be the ones that are changing their work hours and those kind of things more than the fathers potentially and yeah kind of having that long-term picture helps us to kind of pinpoint some differences that might mean different things when we're thinking about how we can support mothers and fathers individually really. So some of the implications of your work I think it suggests that support directed at balancing changes at home school and work might reap the greatest rewards for parents during the school transition which is such a new way of thinking about it I love it. Yeah definitely I think kind of having this bigger picture shows that you can't say okay children are starting school their parents need help this is how we help them it's going to be children are starting school parents get ready for all of these things that might be happening and kind of self-identify what things you think are going to be you know things you need to focus on so if you're a family that maybe doesn't have access to broader family support because you live away from your grandparents or something can you engage more with you know new social circles within the school to kind of provide that maybe helping and sharing with the pickup and some childcare or information sharing or anything like that or if you're a family that has that has two working parents that's going to look very different to one parent so just kind of self-identifying on the kind of checklist of things that are going to be coming up what you kind of need to put in place and you know acknowledging I think that's the big thing is that parents need to be kinder to themselves and acknowledge that it's going to be a really big change for them and they might feel things that they don't really expect to feel they might start having all these memories about their early school years that might be good or might be bad and they might start feeling kind of guilty about their relationship with their child or their relationship with other children at home that might be changing and that that's all okay and that's all very normal yeah yeah I love that so sort of reflective checklist and I also think schools considering even the idea of the wider family I mean we're past the days often now of home visits schools often don't have the resource to do that but getting to know families is important as you say the child arrives into that setting as a family with all of that sort of baggage what about siblings Uh, did you is there any more information from your study on the impact of siblings you know those left at home or in the same Mm -hmm. school or yeah it has, it's definitely a really big factor and all of the families in our study were the child that was starting school is the oldest child so there was no one that had come before them and that is a really big difference so the studies that have compared the first child versus the second child starting school show that for that very first time it's the hardest it's the biggest it's the most unknown and scary kind of experience and the second time around the parents are much happier to feel like, yeah, he's ready. Like I've seen one do this before, like off you go. Like it's much kind of less, less of an unknown. And so that's kind of a really important kind of point to note about how the parent is preparing for their, their child starting school. And especially for maybe the school, if the school can identify which parents have got a child maybe already in the school, they probably don't need to worry about that parent as much because they probably have the systems already in place. But for the ones that are new, maybe they're the ones that could do with a bit more focus and a bit more kind of conversations at the school gate or something like that. So there's merit. There's merit in targeted support of families where the child Mm. might be the first child to arrive into that setting. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. And maybe even within the parents in the year group, if the parents who can identify who else this is the first time for them, it's easier to talk to them maybe about the worries and everything because they probably don't look like they're coping as well. Whereas it's hard to talk maybe and share your vulnerability with somebody that you've never met before. If they're they're like, oh, this is my third time doing this, you know, it's very easy. 
And then in terms of the children that are left at home, there is definitely kind of parents reporting, feeling, you know, a bit like a bit worried and, and kind of maybe guilty or, or positive feelings about how the relationship with that child has changed. So there have been parents talking about the child that has started into school kind of has these home learning activities maybe that they need to do, kind of early homework. And they feel a bit like, oh, now even my time at home, I can't spend, you know, with the younger child because I have to sit down and do this home learning thing. And and I feel like all my attention is going to this, this oldest child. And yeah, so there's definitely things to think about. I think, uh, of course, those second children, they're always the ones who learn how to read in about five minutes because they're listening to their brother or sister. Mm. Yeah. So what, what about parents who have children with, with special educational needs? Often, surely it can be quite even more challenging if a nerve wracking to make sure your child's needs are going to be met. And Absolutely, definitely. So yeah, I think if you kind of think about how this is already a bit of an emotional experience for parents, and they're kind of already worried, you can just ramp that all the way up for parents that actually have children that have needs that they don't know if the school is going to meet them. And how that will look for these parents is going to be different. So sometimes there are particular transition processes in place for these kind of kids, and especially if it's a linked preschool or something like that, that they're in. But that's not always the case. And I think making parents feel like it's it's okay that this might be something that takes a little bit longer for you or you're a little bit more worried and, and that's very normal. And that the parents' relationship with the teacher and kind of taking the time to form that connection with the school is probably going to give them a lot of reassurance. And yeah, I think it's it's definitely something that needs more particular attention. Yeah, it's not just relationship between pupil and teacher. It's about family relationship with the school as well. So there are lots of new relationships being formed in this sort of space. So Kiva, tell us about everything that you're doing at the minute. You're writing this paper. You're waiting for, you know, comments on it. What else are you up to? Yeah, so kind of having taken this first study, what I'm now looking at is, I guess, how all this has an impact on the child. So we know now that, okay, it is it is a really big kind of, can be a turbulent experience. There's a lot of change happening for the parent. And the question is, how linked are those ups and downs for the parent with the child's early kind of outcomes in the classroom? So is it the case that parents can be feeling really worried and stressed, but the child bounces into school and they're grand and they're happy and, and they can get on with it? Or is it that if there are these kind of nerves and difficulties and disruptions in, in the home, is that having a really big impact on the child? Because those are two quite different outcomes and, and it would mean that how we approach supporting is quite different. So what I'm doing now is I'm looking at the kind of overlap between parents' experiences and child outcomes. And I'm not looking at you know academic outcomes. I'm looking at, is the child happy in school? Are they engaged? Are they looking forward to it? Is the teacher reporting them to be kind of their well-being and, and that kind of thing. And then the question is then how does that look over time? So is this kind of transition period something that maybe, you know, has it might be a rocky start, but then it eases out? Or is, does it have a really long-term knock-on effect for the child? And they kind of, you know, if the parent is really stressed, that makes them stressed. And then that makes them feel like school is just stressful forever. Yeah. And Kiva, you've got a book coming out. Is that accurate? We do, yes, yeah. So I'm working on a on a book with my supervisors here that is all about starting school and it's trying to put the kind of psychological perspectives and information and knowledge from the academic world into 
I guess, an accessible kind of format that parents and teachers can pick up and flick through and there might be some pointers they can take out and then, you know, something like that. Well, we can't wait. That's right up our alley. So whenever that comes out, will you please let us know and we can have you back to talk about it? Yeah, that definitely. That would be amazing. Now, I can't, I can't resist. I have to ask you a more personal question. We know you're an elite rower. You've won the Oxford Boat Race twice. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I know that you're very interested in pursuing sport outside of your research world, you know. And we know from our work at Tooled Up that young people, particularly teenage girls, are often getting less exercise and recommended levels. You know, is sport something you've always been interested in? Tell us a little bit about your sporting journey. I'd love to know. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about this all day. (laughs) Yeah, so I sport wasn't really something for me, like a huge part of my life when I was in school. You know, I I played hockey and I did whatever we were doing in school, but it wasn't, you know, an integral part of my identity. And then I went to university and I kind of just took up rowing because, you know, when you go to university, you want to try lots of new things. And this was something I had never done before. Wow. Yeah. And then it just really took off, honestly. And I just can't it's hard to put into words how different I feel as a person having had that sport in my life and kind of the changes that I found across every aspect of my confidence and my kind of identity and kind of how I see myself it's been huge honestly and I feel very passionate about how much sport can give especially to girls so I feel like you know, when you're growing up as a girl, you're more prone to feel a bit self-conscious or the expectations are very different. And especially to do with things like physicality and your body image and all these things. Whereas boys naturally are allowed to just kind of go out there, you know, throw themselves around, kick a ball around and then kind of, you know, not really think that much of it. And I think that, I think that just providing that more for girls enables girls to have like this whole other connection with their body about I feel powerful I feel strong I feel like what I'm doing to myself in terms of my food and my sleeping habits and all that kind of stuff gives me so much physical confidence and I think that it's just a whole other avenue of the kind of mind-body relationship that can be particularly useful for young girls because it takes it away from oh how do I look compared to that girl and turns it into this is what my body can do. And this is what, you know, I, sh- I can celebrate this. And it's, you know, it's amazing. And I think that it's just not something that we think about maybe as much and and is as kind of fundamental a, a way that we think about young girls and, and what they're meant to be doing. But I, I, I really, yeah, <laughs> I think we can, it can give so much to kind of the kind of confidence and, and self-assurance that we can develop in girls when they're kind of going through school. And what position are you in the boat? It changes around. So last year I was in the sixth seat of the boat. So that's kind of third from the top. But yeah, it moves, it moves around every year. So we can watch you on the telly and we can we see can. you in the boat race and we can cheer you up. And amazing. Yeah. Well, Kiva, listen, you're such an inspirational person. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope this isn't the last time we speak. I do want to speak to you when your book comes out and your paper's published and you win the Absolutely. next boat race. <laughs> because I, I want to know, I want you to maybe do another webinar with us for young girls and who... Definitely. who want to hear from someone at that level of rowing. So thank you so much for everything and all no the very problem. best in the preparation for the next boat race. Thank you, Cathy. Really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This Get a Grip podcast is brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. www.tooledupeducation.com 
Parents and teachers in tooled up schools can also access notes accompanying each podcast available to read and download from the tooled up site.